Well, hello there, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of my Two Cents Podcast, Wrestling Highlights of the Week. I am G2. I am here to talk to you guys about Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, and Impact Wrestling. Um, This was the week of the fallout of SummerSlam. SummerSlam happened uh, this past Saturday, so we have the Raw, the SmackDown, NXT, and such and such after the fact, and we're basically just going to deal with the fallout of what happened on uh, those shows after some SummerSlam, and now with AEW coming up with their all-in show in England, we have some news about some of the matches that's going to be, well, taking place at all-in, but before I get to AEW and all that good stuff, I do want to mention something. I made a faux pas. Now, on my SummerSlam review, I talked about saying I got every, well, match right except for two. Technically, that's wrong. I got three wrong. I got the Logan Paul match wrong. I picked Ricochet. Logan Paul won that one. The triple threat for the Women's uh, Championship, I picked Oscar for that. I was wrong on that one. Bianca won that one. And the Finn Balor and Seth, I picked Finn. Seth won that one. So, I technically got three wrong. But it was still a good night for me, and SummerSlam still was a good show. Now, moving off of that, let's get to Raw. Raw will start off with Cody Rhodes coming down to the ring. Cody would talk about Brock Lesnar, saying that he had the pleasure of dealing with Brock, and he will show a picture of Brock shaking his hand after their match at SummerSlam. And Cody would mention having a conversation with his mother, and his mom told him the meaning of what Brock did. Brock acknowledged him. So with Cody saying acknowledge, you already know where the story is kind of going. But before he can even say he's going after Roman, Seth Rollins, the World Heavyweight Champion, will come out. Seth would say that he is returning the favor of interrupting Cody the same way Cody did when Seth won the World Heavyweight Championship. Now, since Cody did that to him, Seth would tell Cody, since he thinks he could beat anyone in the world, let's put that to the test. So before Seth can officially challenge Cody... The Judgment Day would come out, and everybody would come out except for Finn Balor. Finn Balor is the only member of Judgment Day that does not come out at that time. They would go into their usual shtick, talking about how they run Monday Night Raw. Nobody gets to determine what happens to the World Championship except for Senior Money in the Bank, Damian Priest. Now, this would all seem like this was a trap because Finn Balor would come out of nowhere and blast Seth Rollins, and then you get the rest of Judgment Day attacking Cody Rhodes until Sami Zayn would run down to make the save. Now you got a three-on-three, three. Cody, Seth, and Sammy would eliminate Judgment Day out of the ring, and it would be made for a six-man tag match in the main event. Now with that match being made, we'll go on to our first official match of the night. It'll be a fatal four-way match between Ricochet, Chad Gable, Tommaso Ciampa, and Matt Riddle, where the winner is the number one contender for Gunther's Intercontinental Championship. Chad Gable would win that match by pinfall using the Chaos Theory on Ciampa, to win, and it was a nice, fun match. You had all four guys here. Ricochet, he got love from the people, but Chad Gable was over because they're in Minnesota. Uh, I believe Chad's from Minnesota, so that's the reason why people were cheering for him. And when he won, he was able to go to the front row where his wife and his kids were, and he was actually able to pick up his kid and just embrace his kid in front of the crowd. And his kid was wearing like a mimic of his dad's like singlet, so it was a nice family vibe right there so Chad Gable is going to get another shot at Gunther but this time it's for the Intercontinental Championship and it's not been determined when it's going to happen but you know it's happening somewhere down the line now after this we would go backstage Finn Balor 
is talking with JD McDonough. Priest will walk up on him and Priest will ask JD to move away because he has to handle uh, Judgment Day business with Finn. Finn will tell Priest, nope, anything you guys say in front of me, you could talk to me in front of JD because I've known him for 10 years, 10 or 20 years, he said, but they have some history. And the gist of their messaging between Priest and Finn was that was not the plan. Finn wasn't supposed to come out there to attack Seth and Finn told him, well, I changed that plan. Just like you changed that plan at SummerSlam. So we get more bickering between Finn and Priest. Rhea Ripley will have to come in, play the peacekeeper between the two. And you will see JD walk up and JD will say, I know I probably shouldn't be getting involved in this, but I think you guys have a problem. And the thing that's getting in between you guys relationship is that money in the bank briefcase. Maybe someone should take that. And then Priest would just look at JD and JD would leave. And you would see Finn like walk behind JD after that. And you could just tell that Priest is not going to like JD. Not at all. But we'll have to wait and see what's happening with uh, JD and Priest. But after this, we would get our next match. Shinsuke Nakamura going against Bronson Reed. Nakamura would win the match by pinfall when he would hit two Kinshasas, one to the back of the head of Bronson Reed, and one to the front after Bronson missed hitting the Tsunami. Solid match, and Nakamura getting the win. That's good momentum for Nak, but this would not be the last time we see Nakamura in competition because after his match later in the night, Nakamura will be backstage having an interview, and you would just hear commotion, and they would pan the camera over, and... J.D. McDonough is beating up on Sami Zayn. So this would knock Sami Zayn out of the main event six-man tag match. So now Cody and Seth have to look for a third guy. And Nakamura would volunteer himself. And Seth would say, you know what, you're great. So Nakamura would join Seth and Cody going against the Judgment Day later in the main event. Now, after this, we would have Becky Lynch coming down for an in-ring promo. Becky will go into talking about her upcoming match with Trish Stratus next week, but then get interrupted by Zoe Starks. And Zoe will say that Trish has beaten Becky. She's beaten Becky. And Becky is afraid of Zoe. Becky will kill all of that and tell Zoe that she is everything. She has everything to fight for a championship. She has the look, the skill, all that stuff. But she's following someone that is leading her down the wrong path. And Zoe will tell Becky that, you know what, you're right. I do have the total package, and she has the game figured out, which makes her the baddest woman in the locker room. Now, having said that, Shayna Baszler will come out, and Shayna Baszler, she has a couple uh, knots on her face from her MMA match with Ronda Rousey. Her arms are kind of taped up. Her uh, elbows also heavy padded up. But Shayna will come out to question Zoe about what she just said about being the baddest woman in the locker room, and this was send. Becky to make the opinion for both of them to have a match, and that will happen. Shayna Baszler will go against Zoe Stark. Becky Lynch will be at ringside. Shayna would win the match by pinfall using the world's baddest slam, formerly known as Ronda Rousey's Piper's Pit, to win the match. So Shayna Baszler, she has a solid week. She beats Ronda and sends Ronda packing out of WWE, at least for right now, and she beats Zoe Starks. So Shayna Baszler has momentum going into whatever WWE wants her to go into next. And that's great. Now, next up, Ludwig Kaiser with Giovanni Vinci going against Otis with Maxine Dupree in his corner. The reason why we have this match is because Ludwig Kaiser is trying to make the moves on Maxine Dupree. 
Maxine and Otis isn't appreciating it, so that's the reason why we have this match going on. Ludovic would win the match by pinfall thanks to interference from both Giovanni Vinci and Gunther. Otis would be going for the Caterpillar, aka the Worm, but Giovanni Vinci would get on the apron. Otis would suplex Vinci into the ring. The referee would get Vinci out of the ring, and this would allow Gunther to come down and hit Otis with a boot to the face, and then Ludwig Kaiser would hit Inseguri for the win. Now, after the match, all of Imperium would attack Otis until Chad Gable would run down to the ring and make the save, and Imperium would retreat to the back. So, best believe we're probably going to get Alpha Academy going against Imperium next week, and we're still moving along with Chad Gable with Gunther. Still, no date for that matchup. And more than likely, we're probably going to add Maxine somewhere down the line. Is Maxine staying with the Alpha Academy, or is she going to transition over to Imperium? I'm hoping that she stays with the Alpha Academy because they're a nice little trio. So that's what I'm hoping for. But again, we'll have to wait and see as the weeks go by. Now, next up, the Miz. Miz will come down to the ring because he's upset about new talent lacking respect. And one person in particular, LA Knight. He will say that whenever he was in LA Knight's position coming up, he will introduce himself to people in the back and shake their hands. LA Knight hasn't done that to him. So he takes big offense to this which will have L.A. Knight coming down to the ring. Now I'm about to play audio from L.A. Knight and The Miz uh, confrontation with each other. Let me talk to you. I thought that we got a great introduction in the Battle Royal at SummerSlam, but if that didn't work for you, allow me to introduce myself with everybody saying... You don't think I've seen superstars like you come in here, come into WWE, try to ride my coattails? See, the way I see it is like this. You take away The Miz, and what you take away from me, you take away my success, my fame, my money. You strip away my hot wife. You strip away every ounce of charisma that I have, and what do you get? L.A. Knight. You are a flash in the pan. You are a flavor of the month. Now, don't get me wrong. All these people right here love you right now, and they'll probably love you for the next five months. They'll buy your T-shirts because they think you're it. But you know what I think? I think you're just an Attitude Era fanboy playing cosplay in my ring. So personal it is. What have I been doing for the last 20 years? That's a great question. You know what I've been doing? I've been making myself a dangerous man. What does that mean? I'll tell you what that means. I've been clawing, scratching, doing everything I needed to do. On the outside, looking in, while this place bet on all the wrong horses, you being one of them. Meanwhile, this thoroughbred is on the outside, running a parallel path, albeit a little more rocky, just waiting for the right opening. And here you are with a 20-year head start. And you know why you got that 20-year head start? You got that 20-year head start because you're safe. You know what that means? They knew that when you came in here, they could smack you around. They could kick you out of the locker room. And what did you do? You took it. 
The line on me has always been, we're not ready to take the chance on you yet. You know why? Because I'm a dangerous man. They knew that if I came in here, you want to smack me around? You want to kick me out of the locker room? No, no. Papa didn't take no mess. I'm not to be messed with. That's the difference between me and you. Now, after Knight was done talking, Knight would say that he's going to use Miz as a stepping stone. Miz would take that as a fence. And Knight would say, well, if you have a problem with it, we can settle it right now because I'm not going nowhere. Miz would start taking off his suit jacket. Miz would uh, think that he's about to do something. Knight knows Miz isn't going to do nothing. And exactly, Miz does nothing. Miz would pick up his suit jacket, but he would throw it at Knight and cheap shot him. Miz would then beat up on LA Knight some more before trying to hit the skull crushing finale, but LA Knight would reverse it into BFT, the blunt force trauma, and as Miz is laid out in the ring, LA Knight would get down, shake Miz's hand, talk trash to him, and then leave. Now, this was one confrontation I couldn't wait to see. LA Knight being on the main roster, uh, doing jousting with words with Miz is going to be great going forward. Same thing with Grayson Waller. When Grayson Waller has the opportunity to joust with the Miz on the mic, that's going to be must-see. Miz is a great maestro on the mic. Anybody that goes against him on the mic, they better be able to uh, bring it. LA Knight was able to bring it because you heard his story. He said that he had to uh, do this for the past 20 years while the company like WWE betted on someone like Miz who was safe. And that's basically been Miz's... Uh, that's been something that's been worked against Miz. Brian Danielson said the same thing when Miz was here. I think somebody else said that against the Miz as well. Miz has been safe, and that's not a bad thing to look at, but it's always going to be a bad thing as a competitor will look at Miz. He's safe. He's not uh, someone that's willing to take the risk. So Knight going against Miz as a ongoing rivalry, I think that's going to be great. Now, next up, the Viking Raiders are going against a returning New Day, which is Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods. Uh, New Day would win the match by pinfall, with Kofi Kingston hitting Trouble in Paradise on Ivar, and Xavier Woods will follow it up with Limit Break, which is an elbow drop from the top rope, to beat the Viking Raiders. Solid match for the New Day to come back. I'm glad that the New Day are back, and it's just great to see Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston uh, back on WWE television. Now, we go off to our main event, six-man tag match. Judgment Day with Rhea Ripley in their corner going against Shinsuke Nakamura, Seth Rollins, and Cody Rhodes. However, before the match did start, uh, Rhea Ripley did get jumped by Raquel Rodriguez because Raquel is looking for a measure of revenge on uh, Rhea beating her up a couple weeks ago and taking her out. That's why she's still not medically clear to technically compete. So you get those two uh, women battling it out before the match will begin. Uh, officials and other competitors will come out to try to separate the ladies. Rhea would just throw people off of her so she can try to get back at Raquel. She would throw off uh, Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell as well. And you can kind of tell Candice and Indy are going to be the next people that Rhea is going to beat up on because Rhea beat up on Raquel and then you see Candice like, beat up on uh, Rhea, and then you could just see, okay, we know where we're going with. Until Raquel is quote-unquote medically uh, safe again, you're going to have Rhea just dominate people that are close to Raquel, and then whenever that match made official between Raquel and Rhea, it's going to be one of those, the ones like, that he had in like NXT a couple years ago. So, I can't wait for that to happen, but 
on to the main event. Um, Nakamura, Seth, and Cody, they would win their match by pitfall thanks to Sami Zayn interfering. When Finn Balor had the money in the bank briefcase and the referee was busy dealing with Rhea Ripley, Sami Zayn would appear and attack Damian Priest, send him over the commentary table. Finn having the briefcase in his hand, he will look to hit Seth with it, but Seth would catch Finn with a super kick, and then Cody would hit Finn with a crossroads to win the match. Now, after the match, Judgment Day, they will regroup and just look at all the good guys in the ring, and Damian Priest, again, will just look at Finn. So, again, we have some dissension built in the Judgment Day with that right there. And then in the middle of the ring, you will have Cody... Uh, dapping it up with Shinsuke, dapping it up with Sammy, and he will look at Seth, Seth will look at Cody, Cody's trying to dead the beef between him and Seth, at least for tonight, and Seth would agree to it, he would shake Cody's hand, and they would go to their respective turnbuckles and like get up there and pose for the crowd, and Nakamura would just be watching in one corner, and when Seth came down, Nakamura would hit Seth Rollins with a Kinshasa and lay Seth out, and then slide out of the ring. Now, you could tell by this, Nakamura is going to be challenging for the World Heavyweight Championship next. He's next in line, and this is a good way for Nakamura to at least be taken seriously again. Nakamura, I think he had a good run when he was with Rick Boogs, and the people actually cared for him, not just because of the interest, but because of the whole vibe that him and Boogs, that presentation, it was great. But since Boogs has not been with Nakamura, Nakamura has been... Uh, not care for it. He hasn't been looked at in the way that he was before he was with Boogs or even after, well, during Boogs. But ever since after Rick Boogs got injured and they never ever put those two back together, Nakamura just hasn't been the same Nakamura. We all know he's great, but just the presentation hasn't been it. So now with him going against Seth, hopefully this will be able to uh, spark something in Nakamura and in WWE Creative, if we were going to get a good match, we're going to get a good match in general between Seth and Nakamura, but I just want Nakamura as a character to be pushed more, and hopefully this is the start of it. And uh, yeah, that's your Monday Night Raw Wrestling Highlights of the Week, and now we move over to NXT. And to start us off, we will start with Axiom going against Mustafa Ali off of their interactions that they had last week. Um, Scripps and his two guys, Price and Nima, would be on the ramp watching the match for a couple of moments before they would head to the back. Scripps still has beef with Axiom, so I could just seal that's the reason why he was out there. Ali would win the match by pinfall after almost taking Axiom's mask off of his face and then shoving him off the top turnbuckle to the floor. Then he would grab Axiom, throw him into the ring, and hit the 450 splash for the win, after the match, Ali would look into the camera and say that whoever wins the North American Championship later tonight, he is next in line. So Mustafa Ali is already calling his shot. He wants to be next for the North American Championship. Axiom still has to deal with scripts, but not to get over anything. Axiom going against Mustafa Ali to start off NXT was a great match. Two guys going back and forth. Two guys that are underrated on the NXT roster that aren't getting those chances like that, especially Mustafa Ali, because, man, his whole deal about going back to NXT because he wasn't getting opportunities up there on the main roster, and now he's in NXT, and now he's constantly getting gypped again, it just adds more validity to his anger and just upsetness. And whenever he finally wins that championship, 
I feel that the crowd is going to be with him. So I'm glad Ali had a, a win over Axiom, but those two had a good match to open up NXT. Now, next up, next match will be Kalani Jordan with Dana Brooke in her corner going against Blair Davenport. Blair would win the match by pinfall by hitting a Komogoye, which is a uh, knee to the face after hitting a double stomp on Kalani uh, back when she was draped over in the middle of the ropes. After the match, Dana Brooke would take her belt and chase after Blair. Uh, Kalani would stop Dana. Dana would be such a fit of rage that she would look to hit Kalani until she realized that it was Kalani that pulled her off. And then you would have this moment of Dana Brooke just trying to calm herself down. Kalani's trying to calm Dana down. And later in the night backstage, Dana is trying to get Kalani to understand that she needs to tap into her uh, anger. She needs to tap into her true self because if she doesn't, she's going to end up like Dana being a joke on WWE that people just constantly berates and just trolls her online. So Dana would tell Kalani next week, I'm going to show you how to tap into your killer instinct when she goes against Blair Davenport. So we have that match set up for next week. Now the next matchup was for Noam Dar's version of the Heritage Cup. It would be Noam Dar with Metaphor in his corner going against Tyler Bate. Tyler Bate would win the match 2-1. to one. Bate would get the first fall in the second round by hitting the Tyler Driver in 97. Noam Dar would get the second fall in the fourth round by making Tyler Bate tap out to a knee lock. And then Tyler Bate would win the third fall in the fifth round when Noam Dar would counter the Tyler Driver and go for the pin. But Tyler would reverse that pin into his own. So Tyler Bate has taken Noam Dar's uh, Heritage Cup later in the night. Noam Dar and Metaphor would walk up Tyler Bate. Noam Dar would say, okay, that's enough. You can hand me back my cup. Tyler Bate would tell Noam Dar, no, I beat you for this. This is mine now. And Noam Dar would say, okay, nope, you need to hand it back to me. That's mine. I'm the champion. I'm the best. Hand it back. And Lash would have to tell Tyler that that cup is like Noam Dar's uh, security blanket. And Noam really needs it. So you see Noam Dar trying to plead with Tyler Bate. Bate still saying no. Then the actual Heritage Cup champion, Nathan Frazier, he will walk in and he will propose a trade. He will tell Noam, listen, I can probably get Tyler to hand you back that Heritage Cup if you would say that cup that you're getting isn't the actual cup. Noam would say, nope, that's not the truth. That cup belongs to me. I'm the actual champion. Hand it back. And again, they will try to get Noam Dar basically to say that he's a counterfeit champion. That cup that he's about to receive doesn't mean squat. Noam Dar would succumb to that. He would say, listen, the cup that you have, Nathan, that's the original cup that Oral Mensa lost to you, but you never beat me for it. And the one that Tyler Bate has, that's the second cup. So with Nathan hearing this, he would tell Tyler, that's the best that we're going to get. So Tyler would hand the cup over to Noam, and now you have a match set up for Heat Wave, Nathan Frazier versus Noam Dar for the actual Heritage Cup. So we're going to get an actual match between Nathan Frazier and Noam Dar at Heat Wave in two weeks, which I think is going to be great because I like Noam Dar in these uh, Heritage Cup matches. I like the concept. Again, I think it's starting to uh, really stick with the people that's watching NXT, how these matches go. So I like it. And just to see the quick uh, 
pacing of each round and how they go because it adds some well-needed like quickness to the match, especially in the way that it's set up. But in two weeks, Heritage Cup uh, matchup, Noam Dar going against Nathan Frazier. Now, after this, we have Ilya Dragunov coming down to the ring to call Trick Williams out. Trick will come out and talk to Ilya. Trick will give Ilya his props and mention that he has a proposal for him. Ilya would blame Trick for being the reason he isn't the NXT champion. Trick would tell Ilya that he isn't the reason why he lost to Melo. Ilya ran into the championship. Trick would then make out the challenge for Ilya to face him in two weeks at Heat Wave so he could prove that he isn't Melo's sidekick and that he could prove to everyone that. Ilya would grant Trick his request and tell Trick that, are you sure you want to do this? Because at Heat Wave, his career is going to die. And Trick is cool with this. So, we have our other match made for Heat Wave. It's Trick William going against Ilya Dragunov. Now, after this, we will get Von Wagner with Mr. Stone in his corner going against Braun Breaker. Braun would win the match by pinfall, spearing Von Wagner. After the match, Braun would see Mr. Stone on the apron trying to talk to Von. He would grab Stone by the throat and then press him up in a gorilla press position. Uh, Von Wagner would go over, pull Mr. Stone down, and boot Braun out of the ring. Vaughn would then follow Braun Breaker out of the ring and then powerbomb him through the commentary table. And this was revenge for Braun Breaker spearing Von Wagner two weeks ago. So that's what all this whole match was about. Vaughn just trying to get revenge on Braun Breaker for that incident two weeks ago. Now next up, tag team match. Josh Briggs and Brooks Jensen with Fallon in their corner going against Charlie Dempsey and Drew Gulak. Dempsey and Gulak would win the match by pinfall thanks to interference from Damon Kemp. When all four men were in the ring fighting it out, Brooks Jensen and Charlie Dempsey would uh, go outside of the ring and fight some more. Brooks would send Charlie into the ring. That's when Damon Kemp would run down to the ring, hit Brooks with an exploiter suplex, throw Brooks into the ring, and this will allow uh, Charlie to hit Brooks with a dragon suplex for the win. So now it seems Damon Kemp, Charlie Dempsey, Drew Gulak are now one group, and I'm cool with that. Because uh, Drew Gulak, he has amateur wrestling in his background. Charlie Dempsey, he comes from the European style, so he knows how to do the mat game. Damon Kemp, he is a legit collegiate wrestler. So just seeing these three guys in one stable, I'm not mad at this. Next up, Ivy now going against Kiana James. Kiana would win the match by pitfall thanks to interference from Ava Rain because the schism was surrounding the ring. The schism has been all night trying to find the creeds they basically attacked uh different members of the nxt roster periodically throughout the night because again they're trying to find the creeds because the creeds have been messing uh with the schism so ivy now being in this match they take the opportunity to surround the ring ivy will have kiana locked in the dragon sleeper and when she had it locked in she was close to ava rain ava will swipe at ivy's foot Ivy will let go of the hold, look at Ava before going back to Kiana. Ivy will then grab Kiana, grab her by the arm. Kiana will reverse it and then ring Ava's arm down to the mat. And then Kiana would hit a knee buster to win the match. After the match, the schism would come in the ring and you have two members hold Ivy as Joe Gacy asks Ivy where the Creed brothers were. Ivy wouldn't say anything. This would lead to the NXT Tag Champions, Tony D'Angelo and Stax, to run down to the ring with crowbars 
and make the save on Ivy and send the schism uh, retreating. And it was announced that next week for the NXT Tag Team Championships, it'll be Tony and Stax going against the Dyad. So we have that set up. I can see the Creed Brothers interfering next week because I can see them coming back because of Schism putting their hands on Ivy from this episode and the way that the Crees and Ivy have been together since Diamond Mind and once certain people left NXT and they always stuck together. I can see them now uh, bringing the Crees back for this. And I just wonder, are they going to keep the Creeds? Uh, in NXT after this, or this is just like their last thing before they go up to the main roster. That's still a thing that I want to know, but we'll see what happens next week. Now, off to the main event for the NXT North American Championship. It is Dragon Lee with Rey Mysterio in his corner, challenging the champion, Dominic Mysterio, who had Rhea Ripley in his corner. Dominic would retain his championship by pinfall, thanks to interference from Rhea Ripley. When Dragon Lee would hit Dominic with a powerbomb and cover him for the win, Dominic would kick out. Rhea would slide the North American Championship to Dominic. The ref would see it. Uh, Dom would have the North American Championship in his hands. He's waiting for Dragon Lee to get up. Rey Mysterio would get on the ring apron, grab the North American Championship away from Dominic. And now you think that you have a fair fight between Dragon and Dom. You think Dragon's about to win. But Dragon would uh, bounce off the ropes. Rhea would quickly pop onto the apron and hit Dragon behind the head with her World's uh, Women's Championship. And then this will allow Dominic to grab Dragon Lee and hit him with a Mishinoku driver for the win. So it was a solid match between Dragon Lee and Dominic Mysterio. Not pretty, not really much to talk about. I mean, it was solid. There's no more you can say about that. Um, after the match, you would get Rhea, Dominic, Dragon, and Ray. Dominic and Ray would have a father son standoff with each other. Rhea would get in Dominic's way and just staring at Ray and just start pushing Ray off. This will lead to Lyra Valkyria coming in the ring behind Rhea, turning her around, start beating up on Rhea. Uh, Dragon Lee will start beating up on Dominic. You will have Lyra and Dragon Lee both knock Dominic and Rhea out of the ring. And that's how NXT will end with Dominic and Rhea standing on the entrance ramp, looking at Dragon Lee, Lyra, and Rey Mysterio. So I can kind of tell where they're going with this. I think at Heat Wave, we're going to get Rhea Ripley and Dominic going against Dragon Lee and Lyra Valkyria. This is going to be a solid match, but I think they're going to have uh, Lyra and Dragon Lee win just so they can get some, uh, I think, goodwill and good favor for their NXT talent. Since you got main roster people coming down there and just beating up their NXT talent, yes, they're getting the main roster like exposure. People that like the main roster people are going to turn into NXT to see their favorites. Yeah, they're getting that exposure, but I think having those NXT wrestlers cont uh, like continuously lose to the main roster people, eh, I don't think that looks good, so I think a heat wave, you're going to give them their win back there, and that just will uh, increase their stock in NXT. But, by the way, until next week, if we actually get that announcement. But with that being said, that was your NXT Wrestling Highlights of the Week. And now we go over to AEW Dynamite. However, before we get into Dynamite, I want to talk about Collision for a minute. Collision happened last Saturday. Um, a couple things to note. First thing, they will start off with their tag team matchup of Big Bill and Brian Cage going against FTR. FTR would retain their championships. 
uh, by Pinfall and FTR after the match, they would make an announcement and throw out a challenge for All In against the Young Bucks. So it would be FTR going against the Young Bucks 3, and we will have to wait on Dynamite to see what the Young Bucks will have to say about this. And in the main event, we would have CM Punk going against Ricky Starks with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat as a special guest referee for the Real World's Championship, basically CM Punk's uh, AEW Championship. CM Punk would retain the championship after the match. Um, Ricky Starks would get upset with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat because at one point, Ricky Starks had CM Punk beat. The referee was down. Uh, Ricky would roll up Punk, have his feet on the second rope. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat would knock uh, Ricky's feet off the ropes. So that's the reason why Ricky Starks has a problem with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Uh, Punk would open up the second rope for Ricky the Dragon Steamboat to leave out of the ring. You would see Ricky Starks push Steamboat into Punk. Punk would fall out on the outside of the ring. Starks would take Steamboat's belt from Steamboat and start whipping Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, a legend, an old man. Uh, CM Punk would come back in the ring with a steel chair. Ricky Starks would leave. So now we have more problems with Ricky Starks and CM Punk. And now it's going to be added onto that because Collision, this tonight's Collision, by the time you hear this episode here, um, FTR and CM Punk will be going against the House of Black for um, House of Black's AEW Trios Championships. Now that was the big important like bits that came out of AEW Collision. Now we go over to AEW Dynamite. First thing to start off with, we will have the Jericho Appreciation uh, Society's Town Hall meeting. Everybody's out here in the ring. They wait for Chris Jericho to come out. Everybody's wearing black except for Chris. Chris is wearing a burgundy uh, type suit, so you can kind of tell what type of time everybody's on. And one by one, each member of Jericho's group would give their reason for walking out on Chris Jericho. Everyone except Sammy Guevara. Sammy Guevara is the only member of Jericho's group that technically doesn't walk out on Chris. Sammy would instead tell Chris that he's going to be doing his thing until Jericho comes to his senses. Then Sammy would leave the ring. Now, later in the back, Jericho would get interviewed by Renee Paquette. Then Don Callis will walk up to Chris Jericho. Don will apologize to Chris about Chris's group breaking up. And Don would take responsibility for saying it might be his fault for Chris's group breaking up. Chris would say, Don, he has no need to apologize. But he does have an answer for Don about whether he's joining Don's group or not. And he will be giving it to him next week. So we have that to look forward to next week. Now, the first match on AEW Dynamite would be the Young Bucks going against the Hardys. The Young Bucks would win their match by pinfall by hitting the BTE trigger on Matt for the win. And after the match, the Young Bucks would hug the Hardys. Then Nick Jackson would get a microphone. And as soon as Nick said FTR, FTR would walk down to the ring and get in the Young Bucks face. And we would make it official. At All In, it would be for the AEW Tag Team Championships, Young Bucks, versus FTR, and this is their third match. Their first match was at uh, Full Gear 2020. Second match was... Was that two years ago or last year? Jesus. Um, last year, and now we have this one at All In, so we can expect a great third match from them. Now, after this, we have the FTW Championship match of Jack Perry going against RVD and his... And anything goes match, basically here. 
Jack Perry will come out wearing Jerry Lynn inspired uh, trunks to antagonize Jerry Lynn and also antagonize RVD since Jerry Lynn was one of RVD's greatest rivalries in ECW. Uh, Jack Perry would retain his championship by pinfall when RVD would hit the five-star frog splash and the referee was unconscious because he ate a chair earlier in the head. So another referee would run down to the ring and make the count and Jack Perry would kick out at two. RVD will argue with the ref and this will allow Jack Perry to low blow RVD then shove his head into a chair that was in the corner and then roll him up for the win by also grabbing his tights. This was a good match for people to understand that RVD still can go around in the ring. Yes, he's still not as fast as he used to be because time catches up, but he is still able to hit his moves as he was able to. He's still able to hit a five-star frog splash. He's still able to hit a spinning leg drop from off the apron onto his opponent that's uh, hanging off of the barricade. I mean, RVD was still good. Let's not get it twisted. So I'm glad RVD is still limbered up and he's actually able to do what he can do in that ring. But Jack Perry, he's still trying to figure out his way of being a bad guy here. I didn't get to see too many bad guy tendencies except for like a low blow. I seen him mock RVD trying to go for a rolling thunder, but he missed that. But I hope we get to see more Jack Perry being a uh, dastardly hill in his matches going forward. Now, after this, we have Adam Cole and MGF coming down to the ring. And at first, MGF would think Adam Cole wants to have a promo battle since they want to hype up their match for All In. And you would start getting MGF insulting Adam. The one line that he hits that everybody kind of gets a chuckle is that he calls Adam so thin and pale white that if this was the 80s, Hulk Hogan would have sniffed him. Now, Adam would stop MGF and tell him he doesn't want to have a promo battle. He wants their match at All In to be bigger and proposes an idea to MJF. Adam Cole wants to go after the one title he hasn't grabbed in his career, and it's the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships, because those tag team championships have been held by some of the greatest tag teams in wrestling. He would name off some. He would name Red Dragon. He would name Kings of Wrestling, and he would name uh, the Briscoe Brothers. And Ring of Honor holds a special place to Adam's heart. He was already there three-time and only Arwish world champion. He's been a television champion, but he has not been a tag team champion. So he wants to go after those belts on the pre-show of All In. MJF, he would say usually, if someone would suggest that he wrestles once a year, he would stab them. But since Adam Cole is his bro Chacho, he's in. And MJF would make the challenge to Ozzy Open for their Ring of Honor tag team titles at zero hour of all in now with that challenge being issued Roderick Strong will come out Roderick Strong being the best friend of Adam Roderick will question Adam since of going after the Ring of Honor tag team titles with MGF instead of a Ring of Honor legend and his best friend aka himself Roderick MGF would interject and say this to Roderick Strong listen up Roddy the simp strong I'm getting real sick and tired of your weirdo, jealous ex-girlfriend vibes. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to do whatever all you weird, generic white people normally do in this situation. I want you to get in your car. I want you to go home. I want you to run up the stairs. I want you to slam the door to your room. 
I want you to jump into your bed. I want you to cry into your Hello Kitty pillow. I want you to put your headphones on. I want you to listen to some Taylor Swift. And I want you to shake it off, you bland bitch. Now, after MJF says this, Roderick would just look at Adam Cole because Adam's just standing there looking at Roddy. Roderick would tell Adam that he can't believe Adam let MJF say all of this and not stop him. He would say that the kingdom was right about Adam, saying Adam only uses people and he has no real friends. That's when the kingdom, Mike Bennett and Matt Taven would walk out on the stage and hug Roderick Strong and walk him to the back. Adam Cole would just stare at the stage and you would see MJF walk up to uh, Adam Cole behind him, questioning the authority, well, the audacity of Roderick Strong. That's when Adam would turn around to MJF and shove him and then start questioning why he said that to Roddy since he is Adam's friend as long as, well, as well as MJF. And you would just start seeing Adam Cole just start poking MGF right in the chest, and you just start seeing MGF making a real serious face. Adam Cole would notice it, and you just get the glimpse that Adam just saw the devil in MGF's eyes. Because you got to remember, MGF has told us that he has ADD, and in MGF's own word, with ADD comes other syndromes and a syndrome that he has suffered with is i believe one of rejection and right now it just feels that adam cole is starting to fuel that rejection that mjf was speaking of so adam cole quickly apologizes to mjf for shoving him and tells him he has to go and check on roddy mjf would understand and hug Adam, and let Adam leave the ring, and you just start seeing MJF play it off, telling everybody he's all good, we're cool, we're cool, but you can just start seeing this being the beginning of a situation that could turn deadly for Adam Cole, because remember, Adam wants to go after the Ring of Honor tag team titles, he has MJF now, the MJF has signed on to it, so this might blow Adam Cole's chances of being a Ring of Honor tag team champion, as well as going for the AEW World Championship, and also, MGF, he has admitted he's still a scumbag and he's still the devil. So we got something to look forward there and on now with Roderick with the kingdom now is a nice working development of a story that we have with all five members now with everybody all tying them together technically of being or have been Adam Cole's friend. So it's going to be real interesting to see where this storyline uh, ends off and where the twists and turns are going to be coming throughout this storyline. But right now, I'm enjoying it. Um, I think we all expect MGF to turn on Adam, but we have to wait and see what's going to happen. They do say that next week, Adam Cole and MGF are going to have another uh, in-ring situation talking to, I believe, hype up their match for All In. But we'll have to wait and see on that one. Now, next matchup, John Moxley and Claudio Castagnoli with Willie Uter in their corner going against the Lucha Brothers with Alex Abrahantes in their corner. Mox and Claudio would win the match by pinfall thanks to Willie Uter interfering when Lucha Brothers were looking to hit Mox with the fear factor, but Uter would get on the apron and try to shove Phoenix off the top turnbuckle, but Alex Abrahantes would grab Uter off the apron. Uter would then grab Alex by his coat and Phoenix would hit Uter with the moonsault. The camera would miss Mox pulling uh, Penta's mask off of him and then pulling him in for a roll-up for the win. 
And then after the match, the Blackpool Combat Club would continue to beat up on the Lucha Brothers, and Claudia would wear Penta's mask during the beatdown. On commentary, they do make note that it seems that the Blackpool Combat Club is just completely unstoppable. They don't know who's going to be able to beat them up or basically just take charge of the Blackpool Combat Club because they beat up the best friends in the parking lot brawl last week, and now they've taken care of the Lucha Brothers, and Pac is injured, so we'll have to wait and see who's going to be able to step up to the Blackpool Combat Club. Now, next segment up was Swerve Strickland and Mogul Embassy coming down to the ring. Swerve would talk about him and A.R. Fox beating up Nick Wayne last week, saying that the people in Seattle, Washington, weren't going to do nothing because he owns that town. A.R. Fox would then grab the mic and call Darby Allen out. Darby would come out on the stage and talk to Fox. Darby would cut directly to what Fox's problem is with him, and it's the fact that Darby made a call for Nick Wayne and not A.R. Fox, basically, to get hired in AEW. Darby would say that A.R. Fox got to AEW all by himself, and now he has friends, but not to forget that Darby Allen has friends as well. That's when the lights will go off in the arena, and once they turn back on, Sting would be in the ring. Sting would beat up the Gates of Agony and Brian Cage. A.R. Fox would leave the ring and quickly run into the crowd, and you would see... Sting look at Swerve and point the bat at Swerve, then at the all-in sign before hitting Swerve in the gut, and before Sting can get another swing in, Prince Nana will pull Swerve out of the ring, and you will see all the mogul embassy, except for AR Fox, who's clearly in the crowd still, on the ramp, looking at Darby and Sting in the ring, and it was made official at all-in. It'll be a tag team coffin match. Swerve Strickland and AR Fox going against Darby Allen and Sting, and I feel that A.R. Fox has a point to be mad at Darby Allen, Because you mean to tell me that you're able to make a call for Nick Wayne, and I get it. Nick Wayne's father was the guy who trained you, and you want to be the guy to look after Nick Wayne since his father passed. I get it. And I think everybody would get it. But in the story that you told of A.R. Fox, the video package, and you talked about it, you talked about how you left Seattle, and you went to Atlanta, and A.R. Fox had you sleeping in his house rent-free, you were able to sleep on his couch, he just allowed you to stay there, but somehow you don't make the call for A.R. Fox to be signed to AEW. I can see why A.R. Fox would have a problem with that, and I can see why A.R. Fox would have some resentment towards you. So I see A.R. Fox's uh, being attitude or having resentment towards Darby as credible. I don't see how anybody else would not think that's credible, but... Uh, we'll have to wait and see. I do enjoy, as I said before, and I'm going to say it every single time when I see it, Swerve being on AEW television. I appreciate that. I enjoy it. I know I'm not the only person. So next up, I hope they put Keith Lee up there. Keith Lee needs to be on television more. I don't know if he is going through something health-wise or not, personal-wise or not. I don't know. If he is, I support the big man. Take all the time you want off. But if you mean to tell me creative has nothing for Keith Lee at the moment, you got to be joking me. You got to be kidding me, right? Keith is a big man. Keith is somebody that you can't really fumble the bag unless you just, ugh, I don't want to get into it. I'm not creative, but it's just hard for you to fumble the bag on Keith Lee. So I don't understand why Keith Lee's not on television if it's not a personal situation, but hopefully Keith Lee gets time on AEW television real soon. And I'm glad that Swerve is getting that because they were two guys last year 
like in the middle of the year towards the end they start getting time but now it seems that Swerve is starting to get a lot of time and I'm glad of that and I'm hoping they do that with Keith now moving over into the main event the AEW Women's Championship matchup uh, Anna Jay challenging for the championship with 2.0 in her corner going against the champion Hikaru Shida Shida would retain her championship by pinfall when she would hit the katana, which is a round uh, spinning kick to uh, Anna Jay, and then cover her for the win. I think the finish got clunky because you saw Hikaru Shida kick Anna Jay in the head, cover her, and as the referee's making the count, you see one of 2.0 is not Matt Menard, Angelo Parker. Angelo tried to like get in there and grab Anna's arm and try to like have her kick out, and the referee doesn't stop the count or anything. He just continues on with the count, one, two, three, and Sheeta would retain her championship. I don't know what type of finish that was trying to go for, but whatever. Sheeta is still your AEW Women's Champion, and also she now goes to All In, where she will be defending that championship in a fatal four-way matchup. And so far right now, the participants are Sheeta, Tony Storm, since Tony got a buy-in, and now we have to wait and see because on Rampage, Soraya will be going against Sky Blue. And next week on Dynamite, Britt Baker will be going against The Bunny. So those are the matches that's going to happen. And I will let you know who won out of Soraya and Sky Blue when I talk about AEW Rampage. Now with that, that's your AEW Dynamite Wrestling Highlights of the Week. And now we move over to Impact Wrestling. Impact will start off with a tag team matchup. Chris Bay and Ace Austin going against Sammy Callahan and Rich Swan. Winner of this team would advance to a tag match going against the Rascals next week. Sammy Callahan and Rich Swan would win the match by pinfall thanks to interference from the good hands. Ace Austin would pin Sammy after hitting a stomp on Sammy's head. The ref would be pulled out of the ring by Jason Hotch. Rich Swan would fight Hotch up the entrance stage and the referee wouldn't see John Schuyler get in the ring and hit Ace Austin with the stroke. Sammy would get up, hit Ace with the Cactus Driver, 97, I believe, and win the match. So Sammy Callahan and Rich Swan will face off the Rascals in the finals of the tag tournament next week, where the winners will be going against Subculture for the Impact World Tag Team Championships at Emergence. Um, You know, I was surprised to see the good hands interfere in this match. I was really surprised by this. I thought this was a 4 gone conclusion we were going to get uh ace and bay going against the rascals because those two teams have been having some beef with each other but no they're going to hold off on that match and we're getting the gun hands getting back into the mix of things usually they just be used as pawns in uh moose's games brian myers games or bully ray games but now it seems that the good hands are trying to be on their own, getting back into the mix with tag team division, and that's a good thing because tag team matches need to happen on every uh, company, but the good hands, they're just guys that I see that could have some potential, and I want them to actually capitalize on that potential, so hopefully they get that with this feud with Ace and Bay. but we'll have to wait and see with that. But again, I thought this was a four-bygone conclusion, but they decided to go a different route, and I'm not mad at this route, to be honest. So we get Sammy Callahan and Rich Swan going against the Rascals next week. Now, next match after this will be Bupinder Gujir going against Dirty Dango with Alpha Bravo in his corner. Dirty Dango would win the match by pinfall thanks to interference from Bravo. Gujir would be on the second turnbuckle ready to deliver the Gargoyle Spear on 
Dango, but Bravo would get on the apron and shine a flashlight in Gujir's eyes. This distraction allowed Dango to pull Gujir off the turnbuckle. Dango would then deliver a reverse DDT for the win. And then after the match, Dango would get a mic and say that even when he wins in his matches, he still hates the wrestling business. This would make Jake something come down to the ring. Jake would tell Dango that it took him some time to get back at Impact Wrestling, and it means a lot to him, and that the wrestling business means a lot to Jake something. And if Dango hates the business, he can leave. And if he doesn't want to leave, Jake would make him leave. So Dango will look like he's going to do something, but he doesn't. He would just slip out of the ring, start walking around, Bravo would try to calm down Jake something, but this was all a distraction to try to allow Dango to get back in the ring and sneak attack Jake, but that would backfire. Jake would forearm Dango in the face and knock him down out of the ring. So we now have a feud with Jake something and Dirty Dango uh, going forward. I feel this is probably going to be a small mini feud just for uh, Jake something to do something and also for Dango to do something. And in this feud, I think Jake something is going to win, to be honest. Next matchup, Alicia Edwards with Eddie Edwards in her corner going against Jody Threat. Jody would win the match by pinfall by hitting Pop Summit, which is another word for the F5. That's Jody Threat's name for the F5 um, to win the match. Now, towards the end of the match, Eddie Edwards, he would get himself involved. He would trip up uh, Jody Threat with his kendo stick. This would make Kazarian come down to the ring and attack uh, Eddie from behind and drop him. Now, after the match, Kazarian, he will grab uh, Eddie Edwards' kendo stick, and as he looks to hit Eddie with it, he would inadvertently hit Alicia with it when he would wound up the stick back, and with the force, he just hit Alicia in the head with it. Now, Alicia, she would be knocked down in the ring. You would have uh, referees come down, some medical personnel come down to try to look at Alicia. Kazarian, he's looking like concerned because he didn't mean to hit Alicia with the kendo stick. He meant to hit Eddie with it. Eddie would get up. He starts looking at his wife. Um, people from the back will try to like bring Kazarian to the back because you had a man inadvertently hit a woman and in the wrestling business, you don't get to see that much. I mean, in the nineties, I mean, it would be a thing from time to time. I mean, actually that happened, but now, you don't really get to see that that much. So, when it does happen, it always causes a shock. And it caused a shock in this situation. So, they were really looking after Alicia here. And now I can see uh, Kazarian trying to apologize to Eddie next week. But we'll have to wait and see. But I think that's the angle that we're going with here. Kazarian's going to try to get Eddie's forgiveness. And Eddie's not going to uh, let up on that. And they're just going to get a more violent side of Eddie. Because once you hit somebody's wife, even by accident, the husband's going to get angry with it so expecting more violence out of Eddie Edwards at least I would think that's where they're going with that uh next matchup Speedball Mike Bailey going against Kushida Kushida would win the match by pinfall by executing the back to the future which is a small package uh driver or better known as God's last gift when Tyler Black or Seth Rollins as you know him would use that in Ring of Honor and even like sometimes on NXT when Rollins was down at NXT at the time. Again, me being a nerd in this. Um, solid match between Mike Bailey and Kushida. They got a lot of time. And again, the X Division has been a 
crown jewel of Impact Wrestling, and they always are going to deliver great matches when you have two guys that know how to wrestle with anybody. Speedball, he has been having great matches from Impact for the last couple of years, and Kushida, he just knows how to deliver great matches because he comes from New Japan. They take their stuff seriously, uh, and he comes over to Impact, and he's able to just have good matches with individuals, and him with Mike Bailey, they were able to have a great match. So this is one that I will suggest people to go and watch. I think they should have it on their YouTube page by now, so you can go see it, but yeah, I put my stamp on that one. Go watch B-Ball Mike Bailey going against Kushida. Now, into the main event, we were supposed to get a six-man tag, which is Moose, Brian Myers, and Bully Ray going against Black Tarus, Laredo Kid, and the impact debut of Samurai Del Sol, better known as Kalisto as his time in WWE. However, we would get a three-on-two handicap match because Samurai Del Sol would be attacked by Leo Rush backstage before he could even make his way to the ring. So this would take him out of the match, and as I said, make it on a three-on-two handicap match. Moose, Brian Myers, and Bully would win the match by pinfall when Brian would hit Laredo Kid with the roster cut for the win. Now, during this match, well, towards the end of the match, we would get a surprising return of PCO when Laredo Kid would accidentally knock the referee down thanks to Bully shoving him into the ref. Bully would try to take Laredo Kid's mask off. The arena's lights will go off. And then when they turn back on, PCO will be standing in the middle of the ring looking at Bully. Bully looking at PCO. Bully would have a shocked look on his face because the last time we saw PCO, we saw Macklin and Bully Ray setting PCO on fire. So Bully has a shocked look because Bully thought he took PCO out. But as you can see, PCO is not out. Moose would try to go after PCO. PCO would throw Moose out of the ring. Same thing with Brian Myers. Uh, Bully, he would just decide to just leave the ring and start running to the back. PCO would give chase. Now, after the match, Bully would leave the building. He would get in someone's car and drive out of the arena as PCO would be standing there just yelling Bully into the air. So Bully Ray has some problems with PCO still, and more than likely it will probably have to pay some dividends for the team of Josh Alexander and Time Splitters as they have their match at uh, Impact's Emergence, unless Bully Ray takes care of PCO next week, but I don't see that happening. So I expect PCO to have some interference with uh, the eight-man tag matchup at Emergence. Now, with that being said, that was your Impact Wrestling, Wrestling Highlights of the Week. And now we go over to SmackDown. And SmackDown will open up with Charlotte Flair going against Asuka. This match will go into a new contest when Damage Control will come to surround the ring. Io would nail both ladies with a springboard dropkick. Bailey would come in and join in on the attack, attacking both Charlotte and Asuka. Damage Control would leave both ladies laying in the ring. Now, there is one thing to this. Dakota Kai, she will be out there, but she would not join in on the beatdown because I feel that she's still... Uh, nursing her injury, still trying to make sure she's uh, not providing any type of physical uh, altercation with any of the ladies here. So it was surprising to see Dakota Kai come out with Bailey and Io here. I thought that she was just out there for Io at uh, SummerSlam because she cashed in her money in the bank. But to see Dakota Kai here, it just makes me think that she's going to be on our screens more, just hanging with Bailey and Io, not being physical until she is given the thumbs up to get it back into the ring. But to see damage control once again all together, I like it. I have no problem with this. 
Uh, after this, our next matchup will be AJ Styles with Mia Yim in his corner, going against Karrion Cross who has Scarlett in his. AJ would win the match by pinfall by hitting the Styles Clash for the win. You know the funny part about this? I didn't think AJ Styles would be able to get Karrion Cross up for the Styles Clash. I thought they were going to fake it out and he was going to end it with a phenomenal form, but nope. This is the first time I've seen AJ actually hit the Styles Clash on television in a long time. And what I mean by long time, I mean like months, because usually AJ just finishes people off with a phenomenal form. But for him to bring back the Styles Clash on someone that is of the sight, of the size and weight of carrying cross, it just looks, uh, it looked great. And I don't mean pun intended, it looked phenomenal, to be honest with you. Now, next up, we would have Austin Theory attacking Santos Escobar backstage. Austin Theory would attack Santos when Santos is conducting a backstage interview, and he would slam a crate lid on Santos' leg. So this would put their United States Championship match in jeopardy for later in the night. Now we move back to inside of the ring, and Edge will come out. Edge is here as a surprise. Edge would even mention that, that he's not supposed to be here, but since SmackDown is in Calgary, he had to show his face. He's here because he wants to have a match with Sheamus next week. Throughout Sheamus's and Edge's whole time that they were in WWE together, they never had a match. And since Edge's 25th anniversary of being with WWE next week, Edge would like to have a match with Sheamus because Sheamus is the reason he is technically back. Edge would say that Sheamus was the one that light a fire under his butt to start this whole journey of wrestling all over again when he was training with Sheamus. Edge would call Sheamus out and Sheamus would come out with Butch and Ridge. Sheamus would play the video of Edge falling off of a bike when they were working out. And that moment made Edge flip the switch and say that, why can't I wrestle again? And that made Edge start getting himself together so he can wrestle. So Sheamus, he would tell Edge that, you know what? If it wasn't for you, there would be no Sheamus because back in 2004 when Sheamus was working as a bouncer, he tried to get advice from wrestlers when WWE was in town, and the wrestlers at the time, they were blowing him off. But Edge was the only one that would give him the time of day and actually gave him some advice. So that advice gave Sheamus the, well, belief to go about his dreams and do this wrestling business. And that's how we got Sheamus here. So Sheamus would accept Edge's challenge. And Edge and Sheamus would shake hands. And when Edge would pull away, Sheamus would pull him close. And he would tell him he hopes that he doesn't regret this. So we have our match made for next week. Edge versus Sheamus on Edge's 25th anniversary of being with WWE. Now, next thing up, LA Knight going against Top Dollar with Ashanti the Adonis and B-Fab in Top Dollar's corner. LA Knight would win the match by pinfall, hitting Blunt Force Trauma for the win. LA Knight still getting one of the biggest... Pops, biggest crowd, like cheers and jeers for him. People love LA Knight. Again, it seems like we're going in the direction of LA Knight going against the Miz since they had their that uh encounter with each other on Monday night. And even after the match, Knight would even mention that. So it seems that's where we're headed with this. And it's gonna be interesting to see if LA Knight's gonna pop up on Monday Night Raw next week or if the Miz is gonna return the favor and show up on SmackDown next week. So that's something to look forward to on either Raw and SmackDown. Now, next thing up, United States Championship match, Austin Theory versus Santos Escobar. This match would not happen thanks to Theory attacking Santos' 
hurt leg when Santos was making his way down to the ring. Now, Theory would get in the ring. He would say that he isn't going to finish championships and Santos is hurt and he thinks he has an easy night now. But that's not happening. Santos wouldn't be able to compete against Theory. However, Rey Mysterio would. Rey Mysterio and the rest of the LWO members would come out and Rey would talk to Santos saying, let me go out there and handle this. And Santos would kind of give his blessing to Rey. So Rey would go against Theory for the United States Championship. And Rey Mysterio would win the match and become the new United States Champion by hitting the 619, then the splash to win the match. Now, Rey Mysterio being the new United States Champion, he will be going on the ramp and he will see the LWO. Santos is now on a crutch and he has his leg wrapped up in a bandage. Santos would look happy for Rey, but you could tell that he would have a look of, it should have been me. You could kind of tell in Santos' face, even when he held the United States Championship and he, and he placed it on Rey's shoulder, Santos was happy, but he had the crying look. So you could tell where we might be going here. Santos might be wanting to crack at the United States Championship against Rey somewhere down the line. And I think Rey's not going to have a problem with it. So Rey versus Santos, that's where we're going to next. But I feel Austin Theory is going to try to get a uh, championship match or championship rematch because he was a champion and he just lost it. So expect that first before we get Santos versus Rey. But the ultimate destination, Santos versus Rey. And Santos more than likely kicking Rey probably out of the LWO. Now, main event time. It is time for Roman Reigns, Paul Heyman, and Solo Sokoa to come out here. Roman will start off and ask Paul, where's Jimmy? Has he speaking to Jimmy? And then out of nowhere, Jimmy Uso will spawn up and he will come to the ring. The crowd will start chanting at Jimmy that he screwed Jay. Roman will tell Jimmy that he owes him one and tells him to name his price. And Roman will start like naming different material items that he can give Jimmy, whether it be a yacht, a jet, anything and Jimmy would tell Roman that he doesn't want anything from him and that he didn't do this for Roman. Roman will be perplexed by this and he would ask what does Jimmy want? Does he want power? He could be the next right hand man, main event Jimmy Uso and when he said that that's when Jay Uso will come down to the ring. Jay will tell Jimmy that he better explain himself before he super kicks him in the face. And now we will get Jimmy's explanation for why he screwed over Jay Uso at SummerSlam. I did what I did at SummerSlam, Jay, because I love you. Jimmy betrayed Jay because he's jealous. Uso, I did what I did at SummerSlam, not because of jealousy, Uso. You really want to know? Man, I was afraid, all right? I was afraid to lose you. If you would have beat Uso at SummerSlam, Uso, you would have became Tribal Chief, and then what? What happens to the Uso? Huh? What happens to the Uso? Hey, not only that, brother, listen to me. Not only that. Not only would you would have became the Tribal Chief, Uso, you would have been inherited some kind of power that makes you like him. Corrupted, Uso. He's corrupt. The power he even left. He, he even playing them. I would never live, I would never be able to live, Boos, if I let you and watch you become an egotistical, lying, manipulative asshole like Roman Reigns. Now with Jimmy's understanding and explanation for why he did what he did to Jay at SummerSlam, he would tell Jay 
that if Jay still wants to super kick him, he can still do it right now. And you will see Jimmy just open his arms out, waiting for Jay to super kick him. Jay wouldn't do it. Instead, he would just turn his back on Jimmy. And Roman and Solo and Paul would just watch it in the corner. And Jimmy would move over trying to get Jay's like face and just try to get him to look at him. And Jay, again, would turn so he wouldn't see him. He would just give Jimmy again his back. So then Jimmy would leave the ring. Roman Reigns, being egotistical as ever, he would laugh obnoxiously and he would tell Jay that this is what happens. You guys didn't listen to me. You were too stupid. This is the same stuff that's been going on for the last three years. I'm the top guy. You acknowledge me. And when he said acknowledge, Jay just completely snapped and he just super kicked Roman. That's when Solo would get in. Solo would start beating up on Jay. Solo would hit Jay with the Samoa Spike. Jay would duck it. Hit Solo with a super kick. Then Roman would pop up, hit Jay with a, a Superman punch. And Jay's down. Now, Jimmy Uso, he's out of the ring. He doesn't see none of this, but he can hear the fans, like, booing. And Jimmy's still walking up the ramp, but he does it slowly. Roman, he has himself set up for to deliver a spear to Jay. And once Jay gets up, you will see Jay superkick Roman, and then hit Roman with his own spear. And now Roman's down, Solo's down, Jimmy will leave the ring. Well, Jay will leave the ring, excuse me. And then he will call for Jimmy. And Jimmy will turn around and he would see Jay motion over to him to come here. Jay, he will smile and then he just starts running over to Jay. And Jimmy has the biggest smile on his face. He has his arms out and Jay will super kick Jimmy and lay Jimmy out. Now everybody's out. Jimmy, Solo, and Roman are out. And Jay will look at the camera, he's smiling, and he will say, you know what, I'm out of the bloodline, I'm out of SmackDown, and I'm out of the WWE. And he would throw up the deuces sign, and he would just leave through the crowd. So it seems that Jay is going to be taking some uh, time apart, but the story is that he's left the WWE. It's going to be funny to see how they do this. The storyline for the bloodline, all right, cool. We Now we got to the point that Jay has finally found his inner peace because now he's no longer having to deal with this crap anymore. It's going to be fun to see how we deal with this. Next week with Paul Heyman, Roman Reigns, Solo, Roman probably throwing a little tipper tantrum about getting bested by Jay or some superstar probably in the back going to say something to Roman about getting bested by Jay. Something along those lines. I don't think Roman's going to take this line down because if Jay's out, at least in storyline-wise, Roman's not too happy not getting the last laugh on whoever he's competing against. So I can expect Roman to probably throw a big temper tantrum until Jay comes back. Uh, Jimmy, he'll probably try to talk to his brother anytime he can in front of the uh, screen. Like I said, the bloodline storyline... I'll give it some more legs. Let's see where they go from this. It's going to be interesting to see. But for right now, Jay was the last man standing on SmackDown. And that's how SmackDown will end. So that's your SmackDown Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now we move over to AEW Rampage. First matchup that we have is Brian Cage with Prince Nana in his corner going against Darby Allin. 
Darby would win the match by pinfall by reversing an F5 into a cradle pin. And after the match, Luchasaurus will come down to the ring and hit Darby with a reverse choke slam. As Darby is the number one contender for the TNT Championship, he'll be going off to All Out to face the TNT Champion. And at this time, we're building up to Darby going against either Christian Cage or Luchasaurus. Even though Luchasaurus is the champion, they could throw a monkey wrench and say Christian Cage is going against uh, Darby at All Out. So, again, they have one, or, they have two options they can go with this. Either Darby going against Luchasaurus or Darby going against Christian. Either way, I think the fans are going to be happy with it. Next matchup we have is an international championship match. Arch Cassidy defending his title against Johnny TV with QTV in his corner. Uh, Arch Cassidy would retain his championship by pinfall, hitting... Johnny TV with Orange Punch and Beach Break to win the match. Now, I will say this. Uh, with Yuta, he did interfere earlier in the match, but then he will walk up the ramp. He will be on commentary for the rest of the match. Now, after the match, Yuta would walk off a of commentary, walk slowly towards the ring. Orange Cassidy, he would get a mic and tell Yuta to hurry up and get in the ring so he could punch him in his face. And Yuta did all the slow walking towards the ring as a setup for John Moxley and Claudio Castagnoli to walk from the crowd around the ring. Now it seems that Arch Cassidy is surrounded by the Blackpool Combat Club, but Claudio and Moxley, they do not interfere. They do not get in the ring. Yuta doesn't even get in the ring. Instead, Yuta will get a microphone and tell Orange that Blackpool Combat Club attacking him will be beneath them because they could put him in a hospital bed, but they don't want to do that. Yudas instead says that he wants to take something away from Orange Cassidy, take something that Orange Cassidy actually cares about, and that's that international championship. So he challenges Orange Cassidy to a match on Dynamite for an international championship, and it will be confirmed. So Orange Cassidy versus Willie Yuta for the international championship will happen on Dynamite next week. Then we go into our tag team matchup, Ozzy Open going against the Outrunners. Ozzy Open would win the match by pinfall by hitting Coriolis. For the win, after the match, Ozzy Open would accept the challenge from MJF and Adam Cole for a match at All In pre-show for the ROH Tag Team Championships. So that match has been made official. Then we go to our main event, Soraya going against Sky Blue. Soraya would have the Outcast in her corner. Soraya would win the match by pinfall thanks to interference from the Outcast. When Sky Blue was going to hit Cold Blue on Soraya. You will have Tony Storm get on the ring apron to distract the referee. Ruby Soho will get on the other apron. Sky Blue will walk towards Ruby. Ruby will spray Sky in the face with spray paint. And this will allow Soraya to hit Rampage for the win. Now, Soraya has been added to the Fatal 4-Way matchup at All In for the AEW Women's Championship. So right now, the competitors are Hukaru Shida, the defending champion, Tony Storm, and now Soraya, and we will get our fourth and final competitor on Dynamite next week when it's the Bunny going against Dr. Britt Baker. And that's how AEW Rampage would end. Now, before I get you guys out of here, I want to give you guys the G1 Climax standings as it stands because this is the final weekend of the G1. And right now, in our semifinals of the G1, we have Evil going against Okada and Will Ospreay going against Naito. That, those two matches will already have happened as you listen to this episode of the Wrestling Highlights of the Week because New Japan, they're in Japan, and their time is different from American time. So those matches will have already happened. So right now, I do not know who won those matches. 
but the winners of those two matches will go against each other in the finals, which will happen on a Sunday tomorrow. And the winner of that will be their G1 Climax winner. Right now, I'm calling it. I think we're going to have Okada going against, if they're smart, I'll probably say Will Ospreay. Why not put Will Ospreay in the main event? If they don't do Will Ospreay and they do Daito, I'm going to be questioning why. I understand we're trying to do this story of Naito. He hasn't had his big, uh, I'm going to say his big G1, not say G1, his big Wrestle Kingdom uh, moment. He had his Wrestle Kingdom moment when it happened in 2020, but then as soon as that happened, the pandemic happened, so he didn't really get a Naito in front of a crowd as a champion-type feeling. So I can see them trying to do that with Naito this year if they do have Naito win the G1 Climax. But for me right now, the most eyes that uh, New Japan has got on him is because of Will Ospreay having his stuff with Kenny Omega. And he was one of the big, bright spots that people wanted to see from uh, New Japan whenever they started to come out of the pandemic era. Even in the pandemic era, Will Ospreay was carrying uh, New Japan with great matches. And when he left New Japan to start going over to AEW and having matches as a New Japan representative, he was a great representative for New Japan over in AEW. So I think with garnering the attention that Will Ospreay has, I think it would be crazy for them not to put Will Ospreay in the main event, but he is the United States champion, so we'll have to wait and see where they go with that. But we could have Okada going against Will Ospreay, and they might have Okada win, but we'll have to wait and see with that one. But I'm calling now Ospreay, Okada, and for me, I think Will Ospreay should win it, but I'm not mad if Okada wins because we get Okada versus Sonata, and that'll be Sonata's biggest test to see if he's really should be a main eventer, really should be world champion when he defends the title at uh, Wrestle Kingdom against basically New Japan's guy, Okada. So we'll have to wait and see what happens uh, at the end of the G1. But right now, that's where we're standing at. Uh, Evil versus Okada, Osprey versus Naito, those matches will have already happened. And then tomorrow, we'll get in the finals. So now, with that all being said, this has been your Wrestling Highlights of the Week. I hope you guys enjoy your Saturday. Please be careful out there. Please be safe. And remember, I do have a Sunday episode coming out tomorrow. It's talking about current events that's happening in the world right now. And I do also do a midweek episode, usually on Wednesdays. And if you haven't listened to this past Wednesday's episode, go ahead and have a listen. Now, with all the self-promotion out of the way, again, have a great Saturday. I love you guys. You'll hear from me again next week with Wrestling Topics again on Saturday. This has been Wrestling Highlights of the Week presented by My Two Cents Podcast. I'll see you guys later.